Hi again, everybody. Welcome to another extravaganza. All right. It's uh it's it probably fills a void for anybody who has uh you know who goes through their week going, I'm missing something. Gotta get to listen to Inside Curling. Once again, we're here. It's our regular show. It's the week of the Scotties. We got all sorts of stuff we're gonna talk about today. Thanks a lot to everyone for listening to the show. Thanks a lot, of course, to uh, our sponsors, uh, we really appreciate them. Jackpot City, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Cody Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline, who brings you In the House, which is our guest spot, which we have today. Uh, we're joined by our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Alberta Hall of Famers, City Hall of Famers, North Alberta Hall of Famers, South BC Hall of Famers. We got them all. Warren Hansen and Kevin Martin. Hello, boys. Hello, fellas. How are you? Hi, Jimmy. Doing great. <laughs> Doing great today. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day, Jim. Yeah, th- oh, Warren, my God. Thank you, my friend. Thank yeah, I love you guys, too. I love you guys, too. Uh, so here's what's on the show today. Uh, as mentioned, we got Carrie Anderson, who's going to come on going for five. What's happening around the curling world? Brought to you by Jackpot City. The Men's Provincial Championships wrapped up this past week in Alberta and Manitoba. So we got all our teams. Let's have a look at that. The national championships were concluded in Scotland and Switzerland. We'll take a little peek in there and see what's going on. The Mixed Doubles Super Series wrapped up this past weekend with the Players' Championship. And we're going to talk about the results. The Canadian U18 Championship concluded in Ottawa. Uh, And we're going to see who the winners were. God, we got a lot going on the week of the uh, Briar. The World Juniors is going to get underway in Finland on the 17th. Uh, Hot Rock Topics. Brought to you by Coyote. We're going to look at some emails. And the emails have been hot. No doubt about it. What are you hearing? Uh, we're hearing on social media that some of today's prominent curlers have concerns about how the curlers are sweeping. What concerns? They're cheating. Look at that. Today, a special guest. If you're a fan of curling and you don't know that the Scotties is on this week, well, then you're not a fan of curling. Uh, this is the week that it happens uh, down in Calgary, and it starts on Friday, and there is no doubt, hands down, 100% of the story this week is Carrie Anderson is going for fifth Scotties in a row. The, you ready, for, Kev? The drive for five. Did you just come up with that? That's brilliant. No. The, keep the drive <laughs> alive. And we are joined by the one and only Carrie Anderson uh, from Team Canada, Team Manitoba, Carrie, thanks a lot for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I thought my intro was so long, I thought I lost you. I know. Maybe you went back to bed. <laughs> <Wait>. um, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, this is, uh, you know, it's prob- probably a little tougher on you. I know as skips, one of the things uh, that they always talk about when they go into these big events is let's keep the distractions uh, as low as we can, you know, and try and keep everyone focused. You must be swamped with that question about trying to win your fifth Scotties in a row. How, how's it going? How are you handling it? What's, what's your speech to your team going into this one? I'm handling it pretty well. It's exciting. Every single year starting around this time is the Scotties and everyone dreams about playing in it. And yes, we're going for our, uh, fifth straight title but that's something that we've just kind of put behind us or just like not thinking about it uh for us we're just taking one game at a time and uh, see where everything falls at the end this isn't like uh you're curling out of australia trying to win five in a row uh there's lots of teams around the world that we 
see who predictably win their national championship. There's, you know, their teams are getting better and better from, you know, Asia and uh, across the pond. Hands down, uh, the Canadian national championship in women's curling, the Scotties, is the toughest one to win. You've done the Worlds, um, got to try and tackle what will be a, a deep field again. What, what uh, is your prep uh, this past week, um, you're you're in Calgary now. Yeah, uh, we got to Calgary on Monday, and uh, we had a few good training um, practices on um, the other day, and another couple more today. So, um, yeah, we're excited to get started. Before we bring the boys in, Carrie, uh, the story broke yesterday about Jennifer Jones has announced that she is going to retire at the end of the year in uh, competitive curling. She's going to stay in mixed doubles. I think is the way I read it. Uh, you're from the same province. Uh, what What do you think when you when you first heard that? Manitoba got a little easier. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> a great line. Yeah. Uh, good for you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think everyone saw coming. I didn't see it coming right now, but yeah, it was. Uh, she's curling legacy, and um, yeah, to. Um, see that she announced her women's curling career is come to an end and uh glad she's still going to be playing mixed doubles though still stepping on the ice so uh we'll still be seeing her around yeah and you'll see her this week absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. uh kev go ahead hey carrie hey thanks for taking the time i know you're busier and busier than crazy right <laughs> now trying to get uh, ready for this but you know i want to ask you uh, i'm not sure how much you look at the draw before things start i i certainly used to uh in the past. Um, but you've got quite the start with uh, Quebec, with uh, St. George and, uh, and then McCarville, second game and Alberta third. I guess, what are your thoughts on having such a, a or do you consider that a difficult start? Um, I consider that a very difficult start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you look at every single game out there um, is hard. We're going to have to bring our uh, a game every single game. And, and right out of the gate. So uh, you always want to get off to a really great start. And uh, that's something that we're going to really focus on and uh, dial into uh, when we start on Friday. Yeah. So you've been looking at all the teams playing in the last couple of months. And I go, you guys kind of had a slow start to the year, but you've certainly been picking up your game in the, in the last while. Um, who do you consider to be kind of the, when you look across the sheets going, okay, that's somebody I got to be ready for in the playoffs. Who, who do you kind of point to that right now? Right now, I would say um, Holman, like she's been, they've been playing really well all year. They've been very consistent and, um, um, but as have we, we've been consistent and yeah, we weren't playing the best, but we were qualifying in the events and, uh, but the last two events we played really well. And um, so it's nice to see that and uh, feel like we're peaking before a big event. Yeah, well, I think you're, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I've been paying attention to, you know, and and just over the last couple of months, everybody's thinking, can Anderson win five? Because, of course, that's a crazy thing to even think. What does that go through your mind when you're laying in bed going, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you think about this? Because that's, I don't know, or maybe you don't, but I, but that's such an overwhelming, even to comprehend winning Canada that much is is wild. Yeah, I, um I think about it and like, even just to win one, I'm like, holy smokes, <laughs> that's hard. But to go for five in a row, um, not everyone gets this moment. So um, like, yeah, I, I think about it, but I try not to think too hard about it. So um, 
Yeah, I just want to focus on ourselves and what we need to do as a team and individually to bring the best out in each other and ourselves. So uh, that's just kind of what I'm thinking about going into this. Yeah, Yeah, good luck. Warren, go ahead. Thanks for joining us, Carrie, and uh, good luck in the week ahead of you. Let's talk a bit about the two pools and the system we have in place for this year, Scotty. So you're in pool A, nine teams. You're at the top of it. Rachel Holman's at the top of pool B. How do you feel about the pool you're in as far as it versus the other? Do you think they're pretty balanced or you think one is maybe a little stronger than the other? Um, I think that they're pretty balanced, actually. The seating worked out how I thought it would. So yeah, going into it, uh, like when I first saw the schedule, I was like, oh, okay, yep, they seem pretty balanced. And um, yeah, we got some tough teams in each pool. So the system you're using, and I scratch my head to some degree, because the easy way to do this, I think, would be to go through the two round robins and then go into a page playoff with the top two teams in each pool advancing. But they have the top three advancing, which puts another step in there that uh, I don't know is difficult. I'm not sure why they've done that. How do you feel about that system? Uh, Do you like it the way it is, or would you maybe like to see something a little different? Um, I liked the, like taking the two teams out of each pool and doing it that way. But yeah, adding three teams out of each pool makes it for a few more games. Yeah. And then this year, I believe there's no tiebreakers. (laughs) So that's another thing in it. So, (laughs) um, every game is crucial and, uh, uh, you got to perform every game. Maybe that's the philosophy of bringing the third team forward because there isn't any tiebreakers thinking that, uh, that will maybe, give somebody who was really close a little bit of a chance. Anyway, it is what it is. Let's uh, talk about another topic that comes up from time to time. And actually, we've got a fairly long email on our show today about it. And that is the time between the Canadian Championship and the Worlds, as it being too tight. Um, So it's a little over a couple of weeks from the time you win a Scotties till you're in a World Championship. There were times, actually, back in history, it was tighter. But still, it's not much time after coming off a pretty grueling event. You've done it four times. Do you think this is a factor? I think it is. Uh, It's tough for us Canadians to have such a short turnaround, especially if it's overseas, because that's even quicker, right? So um, you only get a week at home, and then all of a sudden you're prepping to leave. So it's really tough mentally and physically for us as Canadian curling athletes to be able to... um, get our rest and recovery between events. So it is hard, but I don't know what the key is and what the answer is to make that a little bit longer. I suppose maybe shortening the event up a bit and what we just talked about could help do that. The same with the Worlds. I mean, you're going through a grueling marathon with the Scotties. I think you could have to play up to 14 games to win and then and then go into the Worlds and face the same situation a little over a couple of weeks later. Must be pretty draining, is it? Um, absolutely. We've done it for the last four years and uh, we were gassed going into it, I'm not, I'm, I will admit. And as much as you train in your off season for this, it's extremely hard to keep that energy, your body in such great shape to be able to do this on a, such a quick turnaround. Yeah, we try and keep working hard and um, I don't know what the answer is to, to help it. Yeah, it's complicated because Curling Cat is more or less painted into a corner with the way the provincial playoffs are operated and the timing of everything. So it would take quite a shakeup. But I think there's something that's really got to be looked at going forward without question. 
I'll ask you a question in a whole different direction because this is kind of amusing too. And we're going to talk about it later in the show. But Ted Appleman from Edmonton put up an interesting post during the Alberta men's playdowns about brushing and uh, virtually saying, yeah, there's a bunch of people there that aren't clearing in front of the rock properly and they're kind of dumping. And I'm asking you the question because Val Sweeting jumped in there with a comment and she said, well, yeah, the rules say you can't do anything to slow down a rock, only to make it go farther. Um, is this a concern from your point of view? You guys obviously must have talked about it with Val jumping in with the comment. Yeah, um, we did kind of chat about that a little bit. Uh, we saw it a little bit in the uh, women's playdowns as well. Um, I don't agree with it. It's um, it's illegal. You're not supposed to dump in front of the rock, so you got to finish that breaststroke <laughs> away from the rock. So to be doing that, it's uh, at least kind of bad taste in your mouth. So you think it is happening? Uh, some are, I've noticed. And I was like, huh? And I'm scratching my head thinking, that doesn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Well, Kevin, over to you. Yeah, hey guys, I, I muted because I've got I've got my two year old grandson Dax here, <laughs> and, and, and there's there's a lot of dinosaur bit uh, playing happening outside the door. Here. <laughs> I mute myself. Usually I don't mute myself. Anyways, anyways, Gary, one loaded question before uh, it segues nicely, but you haven't pre booked all your family's flights to Sydney yet, right? Absolutely not. That is like, you, that's a no go, Kevin. You don't do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But that that leads right into the next thing. So, at the end of the Scotties, if you win, how in the heck do you get everything organized in time? Like, I'm just thinking from because you guys are well sponsored, um, and but you've got lots of family and friends that always love to follow you, and and just fans, not not just family and friends, but but fans from across Canada. How does it, how, I guess, how does it manage to be get, to get done in what, two weeks or not even, you've got to book your flights probably in well within a week for fans and family and stuff. How is it possible? It's super hard, especially last year when we went to Sweden, like there wasn't even seats for us. It was insane. Like we didn't have seats to fly to Sweden and we had to like look at different airlines and figure that all out. And we're like, what's happening? So like <laughs> uh, for our friends and family to come and join us, it's challenging. They have to like get on it ASAP and make sure they uh, can find some flights and stuff. So even if I want to bring my girls, like it's, it's tough, like to, to arrange things like that too. So having that such a tight turnaround is hard on uh, family and friends to, to make arrangements as well. Would the powers that be uh, have like a block of, of seats on a plane for whoever wins, maybe out of Toronto to like, in this case, you're going to, to Nova Scotia, but still not easy to get from Toronto to Sydney. There aren't many flights a day. I guess I'm just trying to wonder, I'm just trying to picture in my mind how how it logistically works. And I guess there'd be a, a block of rooms for your family in the hotel, or do you have to book those too? I think we have to book all those, like the flights, hotels, like they have to arrange everything for them. Like us, uh, af like athletes are already pre-booked, like not knowing who's going, but like, I'm sure they have arrangements for that curling canna, but, um, yeah, for our family, they just gotta do it all on their own. <laughs> wow, good, Jimmy. Yeah, Carrie, a couple of questions. Uh, one uh, over the last uh, several weeks in curling, one of the topics has been uh, curling with only three guys, three girls on your team. Uh, Glenn Howard seems to be stepping back all the time, <laughs> going with three guys <laughs> and, and winning. 
you know, everyone originally thought, well, good luck with that. You know, you only got three, you lost a person. But for lack of a better expression, it's kind of backfired. What are your thoughts on that, Carrie? Curling is a four-person sport. So, <laughs> you know, and I think with three, it is an advantage. Those other two people get to throw another extra rock and like, if you miss, oh, okay, I was a little full here, I was a little wide here. Oh, I get a third try at it, you know. Okay. So it's, yeah. um, it's definitely a big advantage, I think. Good point. Absolutely. The other thing is, uh, when you know, over the last little while, the sexy new thing is analytics that everyone's been looking at in sports, and and curling's no exception. Has that changed the way you uh, look at games, Carrie? Uh, now, when you go into them, are you are you drawing on? excuse the pun, are you drawing on analytics or do you just sort of whatever about it? Um, we use it. Yeah, it's it's a great tool to have. Um, we know like and when we're having a meeting that, okay, like we kind of review that and think in the back that our heads, whoever we're playing, oh, okay, like let's try and leave them an intern or force them to an outturn, something like that. But I don't always play on it because that person could have just been having an off game, those two right. games or something like that. But um, it is definitely a great tool to have. Leave it up to us when you come on and saying, uh, I'm trying not to think about winning five in a row. And we probably asked you nine <laughs> questions about winning five in a row. So that'll make, that'll make it easy for you not to think about things. You know, personally, you've uh, your, your kids now are into curling. And did you say you've curled in your first spiel with your kids? Yes, uh, they are amazing. Like they're 10 years old and the shots that they make is unreal. Like I was never that good at 10. And um, Chloe, I think she'll be the skip. Cameron will play second because she likes to hit. Yep. Uh, but we were in our first field together. And um, well, I had two of my other friends and uh, the girls just switched off playing lead. So they'll play four ends each. They were unreal. We lost the final. I was so bummed for them. I'm like, I'm so sorry, girls. But uh, my first rock picked, and then we were down one coming home, so I just yeah, had a shot for one. And they had such a blast. And, like, it's even like they're sweeping techniques. Like, they visually just see it, and they do it. And that's exactly how I learned, too. So it's amazing to watch them grow around the sport. Look out for the uh, Andersons. Let's what what what? You didn't curl at, as well at ten years old as your kids. Uh, yeah, look out. Yeah, look out. I was uh, playing a mixed doubles over New Year's when it was me and Chloe and my husband and Cameron were playing, and we were down one coming home. And Chloe looks at me and says, "Mom, can I throw last now?" I was like, "Okay." So her, ah. first, her first rock ended up in the boards and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so then I made my first two and then I just missed my third. And then Chloe had a like through the port hit and roll and she made it absolutely perfect. And we stole two to win. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Carrie, thanks a lot for coming on um, and, uh, and, and good luck this week. Like I said earlier, the, the Canadian National Championship, you know, is is no doubt in curling the hardest one on the planet. We're going to be watching and and good luck trying to win five. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I don't. I keep. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> oh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, and we'll give it our all this week. See you later, Carrie. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. Good luck. Thanks. Bye bye.
so there she goes. Uh, Carrie Anderson, uh, like I said, <laughs> she's going, I'm trying not to think about the five. I uh, will help you with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I really love, I, I love Carrie Anderson. Boy, she's just, just full of life. And she sounds poised, Kevin, uh, about this Scotty's trying to win the five. Well, you gotta be, don't you? Just, uh, you know, it's one four in a row. It's hard to even fathom four, let alone if you can make it through to five. But you know what? They're, uh, they're, they're, they're good. They're a good team. They'll, they'll be close at the end. Uh, it's just really tough competition, you know, with, with Rachel curling so well. You know, that Jennifer's gonna wanna, uh, you know, really play well in her last Scotties. And, and don't forget about laws. And, and there's so much depth. So it won't be easy, but they'll right. be close. What, do, what did you do, Kevin, with your team? Um, Let's say, for example, if this was, you know, five in a row for you, do you sit down with your team and lay down some laws saying, okay, here's the deal this week, you guys, no interviews or, or do what you want? Or did you put restrictions on your team, Kevin, when you looked ahead and said, I got to keep these guys focused and it's going to be very tough? Well, let's look back at who these people were. Ben Hebert, Mark Kennedy, and John Morris. <laughs> how are you gonna what are you gonna how are you gonna do that <laughs> yeah. so no um no but before the event um one thing that jules um ochar of course we always uh, get to the rink and and we would practice like crazy and make sure everybody's mechanically spot on that is something that we we always did so going into the event we all felt always felt pretty confident because we were throwing the rock well before something important um so yeah jules was a big part of, of, of that for us, the confidence going into a big event. Like Carrie will feel going into this one. They're well coached as well, of course, with Reed Carruthers. So so they'll be they'll be they'll be ready to go. Warren, you asked her about uh sweeping. Let me paraphrase. Hey Carrie, are people cheating when they sweep? <laughs> uh what what'd you think, Warren, of her answer? Oh, I thought uh it was uh an interesting answer because obviously by what she said, there is a feeling out there amongst some of the players anyway that some things that are, are happening on the ice that aren't quite right. So right. we'll see where all that goes. Very good. Thanks a lot, Carrie. Good luck to her and all the uh, teams uh, this week. There's uh, a thousand teams this week playing in the uh, in the Scotties. Uh, it'll be different. No tiebreakers. Going to be great to watch. All right, let's do it. What's happening around the curling world brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City. Casino games perfectly made for you. So the final two provinces are in the books to shape up your men's briar. They're all done. Alberta and Manitoba are the last two. Uh, Kevin, do tell. Do tell. Yeah, when we talk about the two provinces, we've got Alberta and Manitoba. I mean, the men's. Well, Alberta... Turned out to be no surprise going into the final. Team Cooey uh, up against uh, Aaron Sluchinski, who's had a wonderful year. Aaron actually beat Kevin in the uh, 1-2 game to get into the final. And he beat Kevin again um, with uh, steals in the third and the seventh to win the final. So congratulations to Team Sluchinski out of Alberta. That is a huge win for those guys. And they really deserved it. They've, they've worked hard this year. They've had a wonderful year. Um, so all good there with a big win over Kevin Cooey. Now, remember, though, Kevin Cooey's still in the briar anyway because they had pre-qualified before playing in the provincials. I know it's kind of muddy, but Warren will cover that in a bit. Okay, and then Manitoba men, Braden Calvert, like Aaron Suchinski in Alberta, beat Reed Carruthers in the 1-2 game. So they went right to the final. Reed and uh, Brad Jacobs had to fight their way into the final. In the end, Reed Carruthers ended up winning. He was one up. 
without Hammer coming home, but ended up stealing two, so ended up winning the game. So Team Crothers, congratulations. They're off to the Briar as well. Um, but then there's also over in Scotland, Jimmy, um, yes, men's and women's uh, Scottish championships. Listen to this in the semifinal. Craig, young guy out of Scotland, not far out of junior, mm-hmm. beat Bruce Mowat 9-1 and 6 ends in what? the semi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honest, yeah. And then in the final, Team White, who's just been awesome this year, uh, they ended up winning in an extra end over Craig 7-6. So young Craig almost came out of Scotland, which would be incredible, but he didn't. Team White, um, remember they were in the final of the WFG Masters in the Slams. Um they had two semis this year in the Co-op Canadian Open and the Hearing Life Tour Challenge. So they've just had a wonderful year. Congratulations to Ross White and his team. And we have to get those guys on the show pretty soon. So right. Ross, I know you guys listen to the show. We'll get you on soon, okay? Scotland women, a bit of an upset here too. Rebecca Morrison going in as a favorite, no question. Uh, but Faye Henderson ended up beating her 9-2 in the final. So congratulations to Faye, Haley Duff, Amy McDonald, and Katie McMillan on that win out of Scotland. So a couple upsets in Scotland. Switzerland, no upsets, Jim. Okay, yeah, let me guess. Guess who won the women's in Switzerland? Adrian Smith. <laughs> Adrian Smith. <laughs> Not quite, but yeah. uh, Terenzoni wins yeah, again. of course. And on the men's side, uh, Team Schwaller uh, with Ben Washwart. So, um no, no big upsets in Switzerland. Just uh, a couple of really, really good teams in the world, and uh, there you go. Does Does Mowat like Kevin Cooey? Does is is he at, at going to the Worlds? I I would think that it would be team. No, I don't know this. I have oh, not read okay. anything. Warren, have you read anything yet? Well, that's the that's the question because in Scotland, there's no guarantee that the team that wins is going to go to the Worlds. So we haven't heard otherwise, but uh, it could be Mowat. We just don't but know. But they've had such a heck of a year, Team White. That yes, they did. It'd be shocking for me if they don't go, but let's let's wait and see. Yeah, Kev, what's your comments before we get to Warren here to give us a summary? It seems it's got to be fixed, Kevin. The provincial final. It's got to be fixed. The provincial <laughs> final is, all right, let's go watch it to see who goes to the briar. Well, one of the teams, it doesn't matter if they win right. or not. Uh, yeah, I, that, it, it's an odd thing um, right now. It's a, it's just this year. Next year, the way the thing is in place for this coming this coming season will be the fact that, that the top three teams in the Canadian team ranking system at the end of this season will be the ones going automatically into the Briar and Scotties. And uh, this year, because of uh, the changeover that they were taking place, they had to do it the way they did, but it's a one-off. So that won't be happening again. Okay, Warren, you're on. you got a lot of updates for us. So yeah, so the provincial territorial playoffs in the Briar set of things are all completed. So now we take a look at the ranking situation as uh, to who is getting in that wasn't already in as a result of rank. So we knew Brendan Botcher as number one was in as a rank. Brad Gushu, who is number two, was in as Team Canada. Kevin Cooey was ranked number three. He lost Alberta's final. So Kevin is now taking the last ranking spot, number three. He will be in the Briar as a wild card. Matt Dunstone was ranked number four. Um, he was already in as a rank. Reed Curler is one Manitoba. He's number five. He was in. Mike McEwen won Saskatchewan. Number six, he is in. And Aaron Shalinsky won Alberta as number seven, so he is in the briar. The two teams that get left out here are two young, good teams, which, again, this is the, the harm, in my opinion, of the current system. Ryan Kleiter from Saskatchewan and Karsten Sturmey of Alberta 
It's a shame that both those teams aren't in the Canadian Championship, but they aren't, and they won't be for this year, I guess. So here's how the pool shook down after everything was completed. Pool A, number one, Alberta, Brendan Butcher. Number two, Manitoba, Dunstan. Number three, another Manitoba team, Carruthers. Number four, Ontario, Scott Howard. Might add that Matt Cam has been added to that team, so it looks like they are going to probably play with four players as Matt Cam is now going to be the alternate. Number five, British Columbia, Catlin Schneider. Number six, Jimmy Gratton out of New Brunswick. Number seven, Northern Ontario, Trevor Bonant. Number eight, Newfoundland Labrador, Andrew Simmons. And number nine on the A side, a Yukon, Thomas Scoffin. In the B pool, number one team will be Brad Gushu. Number two, Alberta, Kevin Cooey. Number three, Saskatchewan, Mike Picune. Number four, Alberta, Aaron Shalinsky. Number five, Quebec, Julian Tremblay. Number six, Nova Scotia, Matthew Manuel. Remember, that was a team that did quite well last year, and they could be an up-and-comer. They're young guys. Number seven, Prince Edward Island, Tyler Smith. Number eight, Northwest Territories, Jamie Cooey, I believe playing in his 17th Briar. And number nine, none of it, Shane Latimer. So those are the two pools that will be starting with the Briar on March 1st. Who's the dark horse, Kev? Mm, well, I, you've got, you just cannot ignore Aaron Sluchinski. Yep, as it was, they're, they're really yeah. good, okay. really good team. Yeah. I have a quick story about Aaron Sluchinski. So years ago, went out to test uh, rocks and do some ice out in Drayton Valley. That's where the Sluchinskis are from and him and his brother. And, and I went out to throw a bunch of rocks. Just wanted to test stone. So we, I was going to throw, you know, 100, 150 rocks. These two young kids show up ready to sweep. Well, Aaron's one of them. Uh-huh. And I threw rocks for uh, probably two straight hours, and they swept every stone pillar to post, put them on the button. <laughs> yeah, that's how excited these kids were about curling. And now all these years later, of course, Aaron making his way up the leaderboard into the top 10 in the world. So it's great. It's good to see, and he he's loved the game for a long time. And uh, uh, if you want to call him a dark horse, I, I don't really think of him as that, but a lot of people across Canada and around the world would. That's somebody to watch in this briar. You agree, Warren? I agree. When Kevin said Shalinsky, I was just looking and saying, yep, that team could surprise some people. She's going to continue to play mixed doubles. That's Jennifer Jones and her husband, Brent Lang. We're in the Mixed Doubles Super Series Players Championship concluded a few days ago. Bring us up to speed. Well, interesting you mentioned the four teams that made the final four. Guess who number one was? Jones Lang. Number two, Skesslian and Nettergrotten from Norway. Number three, Calvi and Little from Estonia. And another Canadian team, Weagle Epping from Ontario. So in the fours, unfortunately, Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang lost to Skesslian and Nettergrotten. And Calvi Little defeated Whipping Epping. And in the final, it was Calvi Little winning 10-5 over Skeslian Nedegrat. So the Estonian team wins the Players' Championship in mixed doubles. Good team. All right. Uh, you're still on, Warren. Uh, there was a very important event for the development of curling in Canada. The U18 Championship was held last week in Ottawa. Yes, this is a great championship, in my opinion. This is a development event, and I think uh, it's only a few years old, but it was so long overdue. 
So in the men's side, team out of Newfoundland Labrador were the winners. The skip was Simon Perry, the third, Nicholas Codner, the second, who was also the vice, Braden Snow, and the lead, Carter Holden, and the coach, old curler that Kevin and I will remember well, Glenn Goss, coaching that team. The Silver Fox. The Silver Fox. In the women's side, it was a Manitoba team. Skip, Shaley Hayward, the third, Kira Cron, the second, India Young, and the lead, Riley Cox, with the coach, Diane Hayward. In the final game for both the men's and women's, in the men's side, it was Dylan Dixton of Saskatchewan that played against the Perry team. They lost 7-2. to two. And on the women's side, Juliana Fortin of Quebec lost to the Hayward team by a score of 7-3. to three. Uh, Don't go away, Warren. The World Juniors will get underway on Saturday in Finland. Yes, and this is now uh, a great event. It's too bad this event wasn't televised because I think it would be pretty exciting the way it's run today. Anyway, there's 10 men's teams, 10 women's teams quickly on the men's side. Canada, China, Denmark, Germany, Italy, Norway, New Zealand, Scotland, Switzerland, and the USA. On the women's side, Canada, China, Germany, Japan, Korea, Norway, Scotland, Switzerland, Sweden, and Turkey. The way this event will be run, 10-team round robin. Following the round robin, the top four teams will go into a sudden-death playoff to determine the champions. On the women's side for Canada... Myla Platt. We may remember that Myla has had a very successful career so far. I think she's only 19 years old. And she's got uh, a famous uh, player on her team, Melissa Nedowin, the daughter of Dave. And D- Dave is the coach of that team. So we look for big things from Myla Platt. Another Edmonton team, Theo Johnson, with Rob Kreps as the coach, who is a good friend of Kevin's. And Kevin, I believe that team is out of the U of A, are they not? U of A. You got her. So that's the World Juniors happening starting on the 17th, and uh, good luck to the two Canadian teams participating. Cool. Uh, Kerry Anderson's trying for five. As you know by now, the Scotties gets underway in Calgary on Friday. One thing, Kevin, uh, that is unique to this year's Scotties are no tiebreakers. Yeah, well, it draws the button have become pretty important. You know what? They always were. They always were. Uh, really important, even the last few years that I played, which is quite a while ago now, but it's even become more so. You know, uh, um, Jennifer Jones in Beijing, losing out of the, not being able to get in the playoffs because of a couple of centimeters. Uh, Kui this year, a couple of times by, I think one time, one millimeter. <laughs> Ended up not making the quarterfinals because of it, and, and so on. There's lots of those examples. So it's just really important that you zero in on that draw to the button, and with no tiebreakers, it becomes absolutely paramount uh, that you do well at that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's still the imbalance, Warren, in, uh, in, in curling at a national level. No curler when you ask them going, who are you going to whip this week? You know, and they're never going to give you a name, uh, because they respect the other team so much. Does Carrie Anderson have a pretty okay schedule to whip her way into the playoffs? Well, she's got a, a good chance to get into playoffs. I think uh, we picked eight teams, which was a bit of an error. We should have picked six because they're using a little different system than they have in the past. So I, I think she's got a, a really good shot of becoming a part of that group of six without question. Um, if I take a look at this pool that she's in, there's Caitlin Laws is in there, Selena Sturme, Corinne Brown, Skylar Ackerman from Saskatchewan. Kirsten McCarville, there's one to watch. That team could do very well, as could Laurie St. George from Quebec. 
Prince Edward Island, Jane DiCarlo, new team, and Labrador, Newfoundland Labrador, Stacy Curtis, relatively newcomer as well. But she's got an excellent chance to come through that pool, and I, I would expect her to, as, as uh, we certainly take a look at the other pool. We'd expect uh, certainly Holman and Jennifer Jones to come through that pool. So, Kevin, when you were curling uh, going into the Briars, would you rather have your toughest teams first or would you rather them speckle throughout the week or would you rather have your last four games the toughest teams? I would definitely want at least a couple of tough ones at the end to get you ready for the playoffs. In the last Briar, I think it was the last Briar played in, we had a really tough start and we didn't play well. We were, Warren might be better better than me, I can never remember this stuff, but we were like 0-3 or 0-4 or 1-4 or something like that early because we had to play all the tough teams early, and we just didn't come out sharp at the start. So it would have been nice to have it either sprinkled (laughs) so that we could have got our feet under us because we almost made the playoffs, and we were on fire at the end of the week. Like, if we make the playoffs, we had a great chance of winning, but we didn't make the playoffs because we started out so poorly, and we had tough teams to play early. So, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I, I certainly would like to have a couple of tough games at the end of the week to get you ready for the playoffs. No question. It'd be interesting, Warren, to know uh, the re- the results of the the Briar champion, depending on how those tough teams fit into their schedule. Do you agree with Kevin, Warren? Yeah, I think it's always it's always good to get a couple of games under your belt and get some momentum going. And uh, certainly, I think playing a team that you feel relatively confident of, of defeating is probably good in the first couple of games before you do take on any of the tougher ones. So I agree fully, yep. Do I look dead? Look at, I'm in the sun. Uh, looks like I'm going to faint. Okay, Warren, uh, we did some picks, some qualifying picks. And uh, you you just said we should have done six instead of eight. However, uh, what are they? We're going to have a redo here. So okay. I'm going to give you the eight names, and then we're going to have to reduce that to six. So we'll each of us determine who we think should be tossed out. <laughs> Anderson, Holman, Laws, Sturme, Jones, McCarville, Grandy, St. George. Uh, Anderson and Holman. <laughs> That's what you picked last time. Yeah, exactly. boy, that was tough. Yeah, that didn't change, man. Yeah, that didn't. Rach and Kerry, my friends. Okay, and uh, I will stick with Laws and Sturme, I think, were the ones I picked. And pretty easy here, Jonesy. And then the next pick's really tough. You've got McCarville, Grandy, and St. George. Ah, I can only pick one of those three. Those all those all three could be in. Um I've got to go McCarville. McCarville, she's good. Yeah, those three teams is interesting. I was thinking about them today. They're they're kind of a, they're very good, but they're kind of tier two teams, um, right on the edge. I think McCarville would be a tier one if she played more. Grandy's been coming along. Saint George again, they don't play a lot, and I think if they did again, they'd probably be coming up the ladder. But anyway, so our final picks are Anderson, Holman, Laws, Sturmy, Jones, McCarville to make the final six cutoff. February 23rd, that'll be determined. Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it coyote we dig dirt here's an email from dawson ballard 
Hey, fellas, I just made an interesting observation. I wanted to hear your opinions on this topic. I learned today that White has won the Scottish Nationals, and if I'm correct, will represent Scotland at the World Men's Event, which starts March 30th. Also, let's not forget that most other European countries have, have at this point, concluded their championships or have already appointed their team. This seems ridiculous to me, as the Montana's Briar does not even start till March 1st, 30 days before the World Men's starts. So Canada will name a champion to the World Men's Curling Championship with about three weeks to spare. Might be more like two weeks. Uh, in which they're expected to recover from their Briar and prepare as Team Canada. Not only that, but they also have to travel all the way to Switzerland, where the event is taking place within those weeks. I understand that moving the timing of the Briar can be difficult with sponsors, broadcasting, uh, venues, etc. But at the same time, something should be done to provide teams with more time to prepare before the world curling events, or else we are shooting ourselves in the foot before our Canadian teams are even ready to throw their first rock. Let's just move it to February, Warren. Not that easily done. Kev, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, it's, it's, it's really good that this is a, being brought up a lot because it is a major concern to players when you get done the briar, say on the whatever it is, the 10th or 11th, 12th day of March, depending on the year. And then you have to play before the end of March, you start your world championship. So yeah, you've got a little over two weeks and uh, you've got to get to somewhere. Like if you're a Western Canada team and you're playing in Switzerland, that's a major time change. So you've got to get there at least four or five days early um, to the world's. So then you've really only got, well, by the time you're done with your media and you get home from the briar, wherever it might be, mm-hmm. maybe 10 days, right. <laughs> That's it's not very much time at all. So it's, 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 a, it's a valid concern with the world teams getting so good. Uh, the parody in our sport is, has never been anything like it is today. Right. And, and will not do anything but get tighter, not, not, not the other way. So, um. It's a concern, something that's going to have to be thought of. Um, our national championship maybe just shouldn't be quite so long. It takes so long to play, mm-hmm. and you're so so tuckered out when you're done. That that that's concerning too. So, um, you know, as Canada, you know, if we start to get on the podium more, but we sh- we haven't been lately. So, um, this is something that needs to be looked at. No question about it. We're sending tired athletes into a dragon's den at the worlds, right? And it's tough. Warren, you have nothing to say about this, do you? No, I don't have any opinion on that, <laughs> Nothing to say here. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Hanson. Lay, lay it on us. Well, it's another example of how I call things get built on building blocks. You know, if we go back and look in history, um, this wasn't a big problem. I played in a world championship nine days after winning a briar. And it was in Switzerland. So not only did you have to go home, you had to regroup and leave for Worlds three days later. However, in those days, you went into a World Championship with 10 teams. And frankly, you could look at it and say, yeah, there was two teams that, that were competitive there besides us. The rest, well, we should win those. And I, I think that was the way it was for many years. It wasn't a long event. It started Monday and ended Saturday. So it was a, a different situation. But things have changed. The Briar is now a marathon. And it's the Scotties, and so are the World Championships. There's, in each case, 12, 14 games that you've got to go through in a, in a really prolonged, drawn-out affair. And now you're going into World Championship where there's 13 teams there, and you're probably looking at probably 10 of them. You're going, whew, they all scare me. And you, So every game is tough. So it's an entirely different scenario. The question is, I don't know really how they get out of it without making some major changes because you – 
If you start moving to Breyer and Scotty's earlier, you then start impacting the provincial playoffs and territorial playoffs that right. they're holding to determine the, the champions from each province territory. And so it's almost requires a totally different system. And, uh, you know, every time we bring this up, there's rocks throwing from every direction at us for it. But, you know, maybe it's got to be, uh, maybe the Briar and Scotties have to become strictly 14 teams, provincial territorial champions, period. That's it. They play out, you determine a winner that you could probably do that with the two pools of seven and start Monday or Tuesday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be a long event. But right. then the following probably December, have your event that determines who's going to represent Canada at the world. And again, you could determine this in one week with both men and women if you probably went with seven teams. But if you want to make it a little more uh, challenging, you could have 10. So bring in your top eight ranks and take the two finalists from the Briars and Scotties the previous uh, February and March. Could be a way of looking at it. So you determine the team now in December who's going to represent Canada at the Worlds. Maybe they should look at that. I, I Again, I, I think this is something that's got to be addressed, but the exact solution to it, I don't know for sure what it is or what everybody's prepared to live with. Not only that, I, I can't wait till they got to do the Olympic trials. What happens that year? It's in February, like the Olympics are well, February. Well, it's, in, it's November, but <laughs> you bring up a good point, Jim, because if they were to, to, to use a system I'm suggesting, um, every fourth year that December event could be also be the Olympic trials, and you could send the same team to the Olympics as the Worlds, or you could send the winner to the Olympics and the second place one to the Worlds. So, again, it would all be handling one nice nifty package, and you wouldn't have to have this one-off event every four years as well. Right on, a lot of meat on the bone, man. Uh, one more item here we got to get to. What are we hearing? An interesting posting on Facebook last week by Ted Appleman during the Alberta Men's Boston Pizza Cup. Appleman, a well-known, respected curler in Alberta, suggested he thought a lot of brushing taking place maybe wasn't being done in accordance with the rules. Quickly, a number of named players joined the conversation. Uh, first of all, Warren, what's, what's the rule break here he's talking about? Well, basically what was taking place is uh, a sweeping motion without the motion of the brush finishing away from the path of the rock, I think is pretty much what he's referring to. And it's, I suppose, been referred to over time as, quote, dumping. I think that's what he's getting at pretty much, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, it's almost kind of, it's during the knifing technique um, when the broom is kind of straight away from you. and and, And it's almost like a smudging. (laughs) <laughs> to to slow the stone down and make it curl more. So that's something that needs to be looked at. More and more teams are using it. Um, it's used quite a lot at the upper levels. Um, and it's sort of just sort of stopping that brush with such a major amount of downward impact that it's actually kind of smudging the ice. And that's uh, something that's a concern. It was, it was brought up actually big time at the Ottawa Worlds, men's worlds, um, because of the ice surface, they thought they could actually slow the rocks down. Some surfaces that are really crisp, you just can't. But it depends on the ice surface a bit. But it's a concern, no question. Well, I've never heard a game stopped where someone said, hey, you're cheating. Not really cheating yet as such. It's, <laughs> it's just, once again, people learning more and more about technical stuff and being able to do different things that haven't been thought of before. And that, that's kind of the issue. It's, it's interesting. Or get away with. Warren, you were in charge of operations at the Briar and Scotties for a long time, and I'm gathering this falls under the title of the head of operations. What do you, what do, you do here, Warren? Yes, there's some uh, 
interesting comments were made in that posting, led off by Ted Appleman and suggesting that there was some sweeping going on that wasn't quite right. Colton Flash came in and he added some very definite comments that he fully agreed. Uh, Red Reed Crothers said, ban knifing, and it probably stops it. Flash said, yep, I, I think I agree. And then Corey Kohartsch jumped in and said, I've been an umpire. Enforce it. I'd be prepared to do that. Well, that's not quite so easy. <laughs> and this goes back with the rules of curling over time where people, what do you do? People start to think, we've got to enforce this, we have to enforce that. But you can't have an official sitting at the end of a sheet that's going to enforce anything because he simply can't see well enough. So if you want enforcement, and we went back through this probably 15, 20 years ago of the same discussion that was came down to in the end, okay, you got to be prepared to put a, an official, an umpire, on the sheet of ice. And to, if you're going to start calling people on brushing techniques, that official has to be able to follow the rock down the ice to be on top of it so they can see exactly what is taking place. They can't enforce it from, from the end of the ice. The same thing with the hog line rule. I mean, we've gone through the same thing with the hog line rule with electronic handles and the malfunction. Well, there's one sure way you can enforce the hog line rule. The official stands in the hog line at the side where the hand is being opened and that's the only way you'll ever tell for sure, 100%. So if we want enforcement, that's what has to be done. If we don't want to go down that route, then we're going to have to agree to play more on an honor system and, and agree that it is an honor system and take a different approach to it. But it, it's a big question, and it always comes up from time to time, whatever the rule is, that that needs to be enforced. Well, guess what? Unless you're prepared to go down this route, you really can't enforce it properly. I disagree. I think the electronic thing is more accurate than an umpire would be. Sure it is. It's got to work, though, Jim. And you've got to invest in handles and maintain them to the degree that there's no question that those things are functioning each and every time. You can't have the thing malfunction. All right. I still disagree. Uh, <laughs> I agree if it works, but what that handle has to be 99.9% sure of not malfunctioning. So it's a matter of constructing it properly, testing them properly, so there is no doubt. Well, it's pretty good up to now. They've been doing it for years. Well, the last couple of years, they've had so many malfunctions. I don't think, Kevin, they're using those handles anymore, are they? I don't think they are. Uh, no, no. Not the same ones. I, they're different companies, too. It's a different company. See, they went through a cheaper a cheaper manufacturer, and as a result, the things uh, malfunction, malfunction, malfunction to the fact that they can't depend upon them. I think they quit using them. Okay. Uh, also, on the other topic about the knifing, uh, that people are bending the rules, dumping, Carrie Anderson said, for sure it's happening, and she don't like it, Kevin. You know, Carrie, Carrie's sharp. She uh, And, and this will all get worked out. It's just, it's a, it, it's a new time. The, you know, the, the sweeping has changed, and this knifing... Um, is interesting, but to, to do the heavy knife and have it kind of stick to the ice and then the rock runs over that kind of a smudgy area, that's what's kind of can slow it down a little bit it's under certain ice conditions more than others. But yes, oh, Carrie's right. Carrie's right. There's stuff going on, but you know, that's the game evolving and getting better and better and the, the athletes are getting better and you know, we just have to deal with it as it goes. Might there be some people, Warren, that say, who cares? Let everyone dump. Would, does does that affect the game drastically? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like like back when the first real issues became with the hog line back in the early eighties. People were sliding over the hog line by six feet. Some people were grumbling, others were looking the other way. I mean, I've always 
filters with rules. If you're going to have a rule, it's got to be abided by. If you're not prepared to abide by it or enforce it, take it out of the rules because otherwise some people will abide by it and others won't. So in fairness, if a rule is in place, it has to be followed. If you don't want to follow it, get rid of it. You heard it here first. Great discussion, guys. Holy! You heard God. it here first or for the 50th time. Okay, let's get the rules. Uh, <laughs> everyone will obey what you've been doing. There's a hell of a show. Tons of stuff there on that show. Congratulations to our guest, Carrie Anderson, for making the Scotties again and going for five in a row. But also, I think the week is all about Jennifer Jones. And uh, check out the interview if you haven't heard it yet. Has chosen to retire and hang it up. Uh, at the end of this curling season, Kevin, you told her the players will be the last event for her um, as a as a single curler on a four man team, but she's still good. <laughs> so, and she's in the Scotties. Uh, congratulations, Jennifer! Thank you to Rod Paulson and his company, In House Strategies, who does all our Facebook stuff. Rod put up a post about we uh, last week. Someone was complaining about the lead being in the house all the time. Okay, talking with the skip. And uh, we, they were, they were kind of going, get the hell out of the house, okay? It's not for you to be in there. Rod put up a post about that, and the the Facebook went bananas. Yeah, no, it was a, a very active, uh, active post uh, without question. I mean, it was a little bit deceiving because we talked about it on the show, and we talked more about the rule. And you know, again, um, it has been changed, so people assume that. Four people can't be in the house when they can, and uh, we wanted to clarify it, but the, the post he put up kind of got people's attention and it got a, a lot of conversation going. So uh, I'm inviting you to check it out. Check out our Facebook group, and uh, you can comment there, and Warren gets back to a lot of people, and Warren participates in that. Also, send us an email. As you know, we read emails on air, and uh, we had a couple of good ones. We've had great emails, actually, the last four or five weeks. Uh, send us an email insidecurling at gmail.com that's insidecurling at gmail.com thanks a lot to Jackpot City Coyote and Goldline who make all of this possible on Inside Curling boys get out of the pool there's work to do uh, the Scotty starts on Friday and uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a big audience uh, with Jennifer with her last uh, time curling in the Scotty so go Jennifer see you later fellas thanks Jimmy thanks Jimmy Fun with that one, Mike.